Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different. Different. This is NOCO FM. Past lives and past life regression. Whether you believe that or not, this is a fascinating interview with Stephen Poplin. Stephen Poplin is an experienced hypnotherapist, astrologer, and an ordained minister, and a former college instructor on philosophy and in science. Today, we're talking about regressive hypnotherapy, which he's been doing since 1981. Many religions and more than a billion people believe in reincarnation. So in this week, we're going to talk about reincarnation, karma, and the importance of putting good energy into the world today. This is The Spark. I'm your host, Stephanie James. Well, and let's talk about first, if you, if you will, and I want, I want to talk more about these books. I'm really curious, how did you get interested in this work? I mean, I think I read you went to six universities. That's right. That's right. Um, I was always been a bit of an idealist uh, looking for, you know, just the right environment. And so then I would enroll in, in a university and take a, a semester or two and just say, well, this isn't it. Uh, and it must be someplace else, you know, and then I'd read about another place, another country, another state. And then I would go over there and, and enroll and say, well, again, interesting, nice people, interesting um, you know, culture here. I had some really great courses, uh, but this isn't it either. <laughs> so I just kept on going. But, you know, that's also how I got started in this work anyway. Um, I was um, living in New York City at the time, and um, I was actually uh, staying in a Sufi Kanka, which is an ashram, and um, just following comparative religion, spirituality, and at that point, Sufism. And uh, then the reincarnation came up as a topic. And I was, again, just very curious about that and said, well, OK, you know, look up in the uh, yellow pages and, and hunt myself down a, uh, a past life regressionist. And I went to her and um, found out, you know, that I had had a couple of lives in Germany uh, in the past. And as a, um, a scholar and as a scribe, and um, one of the issues that I had was uh, translating, transcribing um, some texts in an old cold stone monastery. Uh, and although there is like a, a desire to write, to, to publish and so forth, but the memories of a dank, cold thing that I have to do kind of took all the joy out of it. And I needed to have a couple of sessions in this lifetime to finally get past that so that I could, could write and then publish. But back to New York, um, uh, I was just following my curiosity and uh, went to this uh, lady who not only helped me to realize my first experiences in discovering my own past lives, but then I was immediately curious about how did she do that? You know, what's going what's going on here? You know, and all this information is just coming from me. Well, I, I didn't know that consciously. And uh, so then I started looking into hypnosis and then the um, the mechanisms of past life recall and, and knowing that there we have the subconscious, the conscious and the superconscious minds. 
how does that all relate? And if we want to get into, let's say, our childhood memories and so forth, then we go looking into the subconscious. If we want to take a look at our past lives, at the big picture in the spiritual world, then we head up towards the superconscious where we all are related, where we, we have that you know, oneness, that's that spark of God that we all can say that we get our animation from. And so from there, then I started reading books, going to some uh, hypnosis courses, going to some conventions. And then I started practicing on my friends and acquaintances, including a couple of Sufis. And uh, uh, just like uh, I just learned this new skill and I need a guinea pig. <laughs> you know, and, and of course, you know, who's going to say, oh, I'm not interested in that, especially <laughs> if they're, you know, in, on the spiritual path. So then I had uh, quite a few uh, willing uh, subjects and then it just took off from there. Interestingly enough, um, after doing this for just a couple of years, just following again my own curiosity, then uh, somebody just happened to say, you know, Stephen, I just had a, a professional session about two months ago, and you're better than him. Uh, have you thought about doing this professionally? And I said, well, I actually thought it as a really fun hobby, uh, but well, that's a good idea. <laughs> so how long have you been doing that now? How long have you been doing the regressive hypnotherapy? I started doing it professionally in 1981. Wow. So, yeah, I think that's more than 12 years. It is more than 12 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. You know, so one of the things I'm, I'm wondering about, too, is this whole sense of when we talk about past lives, some people can hear that and go, that is so woo-woo. You know, I'm, I'm not going to listen to that. That's not reality. And, you know, one of the things I noticed in the beginning of your first book. Yeah, Inner Journeys, Cosmic Sojourns. In, in that first book where it was talking about, you know, the history, where the, whether it's in ancient Egypt or, you know, Hindus or all the different places where past lives show up. That's right. Right. And it's in many of the scriptures and uh, ancient texts. And if you take a look at the big picture, you know, of our, you know, burgeoning overpopulation, uh, more than a billion people believe in reincarnation. So it's not like some little, you know, side interest somewhere. And a lot of people are into the new age stuff and uh, modern spirituality and so forth. They, too, uh, believe in reincarnation. So it's actually not a, a minor uh, interest with just a few people here specializing in it. It's really quite a, a large number of people who believe in it. Well, a lot of people in the spiritual community, for sure, like you're saying, and not just the new age community. But if you're connected, like you were saying, to the scriptures and some of these texts, can you talk a little bit about that? Some of the texts or the things that you've read that would give us evidence of past lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, um, periodically I come across some Christians who want to argue with me and um, I tell them that, well, you know, some of these stories are in the Bible. If you can read, uh, you can decipher. And uh, some stories, let's say, from uh, Jesus in which um, uh, he asked his disciples, uh, who do you say that I am? And they say, oh, perhaps Elijah. Well, Elijah was a, uh, a prophet earlier, you know, a couple hundred years before. And so, you know, that automatically implies that you have been, you know, Elijah has been reborn in you. Um, and then there was that other story 
that um, the uh, blind man that, again, uh, Jesus cured, and he, again, one of the great miracles, you know, in his uh, missions. And then afterwards, his disciples again say, wow, that was really great. And who whose fault was that? Was that his fault or his parents' fault that he was blind? And um, that, again, question just implies that if it were his fault and he was born blind, then he must have done that in a past life, right? So at, I'm, I'm uh, inferring from this, of course, that they didn't even have to talk about reincarnation because, of course, you know, didn't have to even use the word. They, they just, in their conversations, they talked about, oh, you know, did he do that in a past life? The um, interesting uh, piece about that story with the blind man is that um, uh, Jesus said, actually, it's neither of those options. Um, he did it uh, on his own so that um, miracles could be shown in this time. And so he, as a soul then, became blind so that he could meet Jesus, so that he could demonstrate to the world, here is a miracle by the Son of God. And, um, uh, and and so in the um, early hundred, first hundred years of the growth of the uh, of the Christian Church, the Christian Creed, and then ultimately the Catholic Church, there were uh, those who said we have to edit out some things from the Bible. And I'm sure you've heard about this too. And so they took out other references specifically to reincarnation because um, if one could uh, redeem themselves through their good deeds themselves, then they don't need to uh, bow down to the church and to their, their authority. And so they kind of like push this idea out of the way. See, I, I think that's so fascinating. I actually was just listening to a Dan Cummins podcast where he talks about the lost books of the Bible. And so it's mm -hmm. so fascinating how much of this evidence that they had found when they found the mm -hmm. Lossy Scrolls, this evidence of past lives, this evidence of so many things that were omitted from the Bible. Or put in the Bible and then edited out, taken out um, uh, hundreds of years later. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So all of that, you know, is, is um, you know, right there in it. And, um, and then, of course, if we include uh, Hinduism, I mean, that whole uh, belief system is very much, you know, it's not even a question that not only past lives, but also karma is very much a part of the dynamic system of things. And I go into a bit of detail in my book about karma and looking at it in slightly new ways. Many people believe that it's, you know, you do a bad deed, then you're going to get paid, you know, really hard, harshly in the future, you know, uh, but you can, of course, create good karma. And so one can plant seeds and do good. And that also is karma. Karma basically means action. And so any type of action that you do uh, is going to be like associated with what we would call karma. And that includes going to the gym. People don't know that, but the same thing happens. The action that you take going out and pumping iron um, is going to be uh, coming back to you with extra vitality, strength, tone, and so forth. And that's exactly how karma works. 
By the way, one thing that I, I find very fascinating, remember, have you seen some of those pictures, especially in the early 1900s, where they had the, the multiple pictures of like a horse galloping? You know, and or or people doing something, and so you see picture, picture, picture. Yeah, so you see yeah. the movement of things. Yes. <clears throat> well, um, that is to me a picture of the Akashic records, and the Akasha is on the skein of time, or on the sheet or object of time itself. We have our um, residue, as it were, and these old pictures, these old photographs, are kind of like a visualization of that. For instance, here I am sitting in this chair in this room. There you are you know, sitting in your uh, studio. And um, during this time and place, here we are. And of course, with this interview, it's going to be captured forever for our human ears. But for the great scheme of times into the Akashic records, um, we are occupying this time and place and that is always going to be here forever. And anybody who, let's say, is sensitive, intuitive, psychic, and so forth, as well as when we get into that trance state that we can personally go back and recall our experiences, then we can access these memories. This is fascinating to me. And, and I want to rewind just for a moment back to the karma piece, because I'm I'm interested in that because... One of the things you're saying is that there's karma that will be life after life. And there's mm -hmm. also karma that we experience as we're living, as we're putting that energy out and it's coming back to us. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Right. That's yeah. right. We can, we can do those good deeds right now and, and get the payback, but we may not get it back from the same person. Well, yes. And I, you know what, I, I have to tell you, as you said that, what came to my mind is a couple months ago when I had gotten my new dog, I had bought a dog kennel. I thought. Um, I had bought a whole bunch of dog things at, at the store. And when I got home, I realized they hadn't charged me for this $100 kennel. You know, my, my bill had been $150, but it was for all the dog food and the beds and everything else. And so I said to someone, oh, my gosh, I have this free kennel. I need to go take it back because they'd actually the, the breeder I got my dog from had actually given me a kennel. So I didn't even need it. So I'm like, I, I, I'm going to take it back. It's the right thing to do. Well, because I was moving and doing all these other things, it sat in the back of my trunk for a couple of weeks. But I kept saying, even though people would say, oh, just keep it, just keep it. And mm -hmm. I thought, no, you know, I, it just didn't feel right. I'm like, no, I, I don't want to. So I took it back and turned it in and they were so surprised. They're like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> thank you so much. Like people don't do that. And this is so interesting uh, because I was getting ready to go on a trip and I went into the, the drawer that I keep all kinds of things in. And literally, I mean, this is that next day, I open up the drawer and there's a hundred dollar bill in that drawer. Now I've been through that drawer tons of times and it is where I would keep money when I was going on trips, but I've been in that drawer hundreds of times since then, nothing was in there. I swear to God. And it was, it just felt like instant karma. It was like, you did the right thing and here it is. And here it is, right? Yeah, instant rewards. Yeah, you know, you know, someone else would have per perhaps even uh, reinterpreted that and said, "Well, actually, the kennel was already a reward for something that you must have done before." Oh, interesting, interesting. <laughs> so, lots of ways to look at it, but but there is something right to when, and it's important that we're putting that good energy into the world now and today, exactly. and making the good choice to put that energy in. 
because even I think they call it the boomerang effect in quantum physics, that it is mm -hmm. that energy is going to come back to us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. And uh, Edgar Cayce, uh, the sleeping prophet and other people have said uh, many times that we are constantly meeting ourselves, whether that be through, you know, um, just so-called casual connections with people on the walking trail or uh, some other ways, or uh, somebody uh, is in a bad mood and we can recall that, oh yeah, I went through that and I gave other people a harsh time in the past and now I'm getting some of it back, you know, and that's again, karma. clear up our karma in this lifetime? I mean, do we have well, to know, wait until the next life or can we do something like you said about it now? Yeah, yeah, we certainly can. And um, I think of it as, you know, electrical, you know, a negative and positive uh, energy. And then there's this uh, point where things are neutral, where there's no charge. And uh, I believe that when, let's say, you've got some issues with somebody and you could avoid that person and just say, well, I'm, I, I'm still angry with with him, but, you know, I'm just going to avoid him. I mean, you have not gotten rid of any karma. You know, that charge is still there. But if you can get to that point, whether that be through um, meditations, affirmations, uh, forgiveness ceremonies uh, to the point where I forgive that person and then there's no charge i can meet that person or not and it's going to be okay it's going to be fine that's when you have just released the karma that's wonderful and and what is the definition of the word karma for people that well, don't really know yeah again goes back to the sanskrit and the and the ancient hindu and it is actually the um action the things that one does and so it implies movement, but it usually moved towards the actions that we have done in the past that comes back to meet us. And uh, again, people oftentimes go towards the bad karma or the negative karma, forgetting that um, people who have been blessed or people who find $100 bills, that uh, very likely, you know, they've done some good karma and that's coming back too. Well, and so, you know, here we are in our lives, Stephen, and life is messy. And, <laughs> and you, you address some of those issues in your book. Uh, is it miscarriages? I'm not quite sure. Can That's you right, speak to that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's been uh, quite a few uh, women over the years who have come to me with some guilt. And, um, and so uh, without any preconceptions about that, then I say, well, let's go exploring. And then we, uh, again, connect to uh, them as souls. And then as a soul, you're really quite intuitive. And then you start to see the missing pieces of the puzzle that um, they uh, ended up not having any children and they regretted that. But then their favorite niece was that potential child. And then the souls all the time say, I was not harmed in that. You did not kill me. It was just not the right time. I understand it. And now I'm still in your life. I did come back into your life, but later. How do you get people into this hypnotic place 
where they are in tune or in, in touch with their higher spiritual self. Well, that's exactly what I'm doing with you right now, Stephanie. Oh, you are? So. <laughs> <laughs> Got you. <laughs> well, there is a very old um, 101 different ways that uh, someone can trance out or relax the consciousness and then go into a very receptive state away from, let's say, all of the, the chatter of the everyday mind. And that's the conscious mind that I was talking about before. And we really, uh, to do this properly, we have to get out of our minds so that we can get in touch with the divine mind. And that is the part that really knows the most, that can inspire us, that is probably the source of poetry and wisdom and innovations and so forth. Truly, that is the genius part of ourselves. And that's what we really want to get into. And so, as I say, there's 101 different ways to in order to um, quiet down the everyday self. Also, I think of, again, the personality that we have, that we're always, you know, whether that be looking in the mirror or wondering, you know, like, uh, how am I going to redecorate the room? Um, those are just, again, focusing upon what's what we, you know, as individual personalities right now interested in. And again, we just move beyond that. And so uh, people are actually rather surprised about the the common ways that people go out and space out and go into a trance-like state. For instance, when you hear like a favorite music piece, and then the next thing you know, it's like, oh, da, 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 you know, and I was, oh, I remember that. And I was, it was like a sunset and it was such a beautiful day. I mean, you're gone just by listening to this uh, music that you know triggered this memory, and yet you are not really there. And someone could be uh, sitting next to you and saying, "Hey, Stephen, Stephen," you know, like come back. You know, well, that is just a natural trance state. Another very common thing that people find rather funny is uh, highway hypnosis, and we're driving down the road, you know, going sometimes overly fast, and uh, suddenly we wake up. And we do not remember what we just passed the last 10 miles. And uh, where were we? We were lost in thought or, or we, sometimes people don't even know what they were doing or what they were thinking. But suddenly they know like, oh, wake up. You just passed the exit. Absolutely. I mean, I, yeah. I think everybody can relate to that. And, really. and I, I do think we go in and out of trances all day long. Yes. And this is interesting because you can kind of direct that is what I'm hearing. I, Because I, I, what I'm relating to is when I'm in therapy, when I'm with a client, I'm not thinking. I'm with that client in the present moment. And how, how I imagine it is being like, I just feel like a conduit yes, for, for whatever nice. needs to come through. And, mm -hmm. and so right. then it, it is a trance in some ways, in, in that way, and that I'm not thinking. There's not this conscious personality of Stephanie going on, that it literally is, how can I bring, and I, I don't even have the question. I, it's just open. I exactly. think that's, that's just it. I just yeah. open up to it and there it is. Exactly. That's really nicely said, as well as, you know, holding the space yes, or feeling that there is a, um, a field here between you and the client. And, uh, and then you uh, are in that space so that there is an anticipation of what's going on and an emotional connection. And even when you're more sensitive, even a psychic 
dynamic. Um, I've noticed that uh, over the years uh, developing so that uh, sometimes I would feel like an ache suddenly on my right shoulder. And I don't have, I, Stephen, do not have an ache on my right shoulder, but I suddenly get it while I'm talking to somebody. And I, then I have learned over the, over the decades, well, by the way, how's that shoulder? Wow, that's right. <laughs> You're attuned so sensitively to yeah. that person. And, you know, and again, what, what excites me, Stephen, so much is that we, we do have this wonderful spirituality and science and psychology merging on our planet right now and in such a beautiful way where it's all these different areas are really validating each other. And again, you know, quantum physics says, as you know, as you and I, if, if we're even right now, but if, if we're sitting in the same room, we are essentially exchanging subatomic particles. We are literally becoming a part of each other. Yes, yes. And uh, as you know, the quantum uh, mechanics would also say that and distance really doesn't matter that much. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. I believe that uh, here I am in Vienna, Austria. Here, here you are in Colorado, and we are right now at this moment communicating so far away. But uh, our modern technology is kind of slowly, primitively approximating that connection that can truly happen very quickly. And you're probably familiar then, you know, with mothers who they are sensitive to their children who could be in trouble hundreds of miles away and they get it right now. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I've, I've worked with people that said at the moment of their loved one's death, if they weren't with them, people say I was walking on the beach and when my husband died, I hit my knees on the beach, like all of a sudden something just came over me. And, and so these things that everyday logic couldn't explain, you know, when I had Larry Dossie on the show, he talked about that too. You know, the, the, like you were referring to earlier, the one mind. Yes. Yes. The one mind. Since then, it's become more and more clear to me that the spirit is that animating spark that is part of the one that we all have in common. And that's when, uh, when we can truly say, you know, uh, love thy neighbor as yourself or, you know, honor uh, the other uh, spirits in the world. And uh, it is that oneness, that, that uh, divine spark. But then the soul is our individuation of that spark that has become Stephanie or Stephen. And even beyond that, who was Stephanie in her past lives. And that is what your soul has been doing over thousands of years, probably. I'm Kev Cat and I host No Coke Radio, the weekly hour-long show dedicated to spotlighting musicians within the LGBTQIA community. You can listen to the show every Friday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time at NoCo FM. That's N-O-C-O dot F-M. So the soul is is the part of us that continues to reincarnate and that spirit am i hearing that right the the spark mm -hmm. is the mm -hmm. god spark 
exactly that's alive within and us. without that god spark we wouldn't be doing anything god spark is also there so that when the soul does learn something or has an epiphany or does something fabulous then the you know that goes right into the the spirit which god then feels and uh it, god is well pleased <laughs> So if I can throw this out, you don't have to answer this, Stephen. There's been so many misinterpretations or personal bents or agendas put on the word God. What does that mean to you? What is your definition? Well, not only did, you know, I, I just, you know, talk about the, um, the, the spark of everything, but truly it is all the all it is everything, you know, right into, you know, the core of the earth going out into the cosmic, uh, nebulas and galaxies far, far away. The sum total of it all is God, which is pretty big. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and just, you know, impossible truly to kind of like, uh, encapsulate into like a small thing. However, um, one thing that it did come to me slowly through this work was that there's this uh, idea that God is love. And, um, that is a bit like saying, you know, like, you know, Stephanie is love, you know, and, and we can say, no, Stephanie can love. Stephanie loves, but that's not the soul, the whole sum and total that is an expression of God. And uh, so maybe even stronger than that is God is life. So there is life. And if we then take a look at a smaller part of that life into the nature and the natural world here upon the earth and um, how animals are living, surviving, killing because of life, because of survival, that is also God, you know, and, and when you look at it that way, that is not so loving, but it is living. My mind is just doing this right now. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but that, that is really fun to think about. I really like that because to me, what that helps with, Stephen, is this, you know, oftentimes I myself have grappled with, and I know people in my office have come in and it's like, how do we make sense of the negative things that happen in the world? How do we make sense of how life exists in these polarities? Exactly. Right. You know, yeah. and, and so if we encompass that in, well, this is life and it's yes. all, and it's all God. And it's all God. Yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, remembering that some of the suffering, you know, is from past negative deeds and karmic sorts of things. And then um, we are meeting ourselves. And that also means we're meeting our past selves. And if we were abusive and violent in a past life and then we're born into an abusive, violent family, we're meeting ourselves. And that's not so nice, but that is a part of you. You express that. Now you're going to get it. Um, yeah. And, and thus we learn, thus we grow, thus we evolve. One of the things in your book, you talk about part of regression. Hypnotherapy helps you find your purpose and helps you find your meaning. But you brought up something that we, we touched base on in the very beginning of the show. 
And I want to make sure we talk about it real quickly because we're, I know, getting close on time here. The, the thing of ghosts, you know, because I, I cannot tell you, you know, in 30 years in my profession, how many people talk to me about experiencing ghosts, experiencing loved ones, spirits, you know, and again, it's stuff that maybe they don't talk about outside of my office, but right. boy, have I heard stories. And exactly. so, yeah. So I'm for you. What is that that you're talking about, you know, the soul being stuck maybe for years in a place or in between places? Can you speak mm-hmm. to that and, and, and your experience? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, too, in my private practice, have heard so many stories about that. And and if you um, let's get the attention of your friends and family, I'm sure that many people can also tell you some some unusual paranormal sorts of things that have happened. And um, I'm recalled, actually, uh, even before I got into this, my uh, grandmother told me about uh, her losing uh, one of her children who was, I think, maybe three or four at the time. This was way before I was born. And um, um, she was sitting on the porch. I think it was in uh, the Ozarks. And um, she saw from afar this, this white ball, far away, kind of floating, floating, coming closer and closer to her. Then it got shinier as an orb, uh, an orb that then hit her hit her heart and then moved on past her and just continued. And she knew that her son had died. That was the soul Mm -hmm. of her son saying goodbye. Wow. Have you yourself experienced ghosts? Have you experienced? I I come across them. It's almost my my part-time job. So uh, that's just, you know, in my, my personal uh, uh, stuff and, and messages I had a, a very interesting one uh, years ago, which looked like a house possession. And um, this uh, teenage girl was uh, missing her father, who had, I think, had died maybe mm, a year before. And um, there was rattling in the kitchen and some dishes periodically would fall out. And it felt like it was haunted. And so the mother brought in the the girl. And so they both came in together and said, I think the house is haunted. And so uh, the girl happened to be a very intuitive girl and she would easily go off into a trance state. And so we identified that as the father. And he felt bad that he left early. And uh, although that was the plan. And that uh, he had something to to say to the daughter, but he, there was actually two things to say. One is that he did not commit suicide, that it was an accident. He had a problem with his hearing. He was in the garage working on a motor and the garage door fell and he didn't hear it. Died of monoxide poisoning. But he that was not his plan. He okay. did not commit suicide. He had they want her to know that very quickly. And then uh, he said, can you pick up a, a pen or a crayon? And uh, I had I, uh, we had that there and uh, we had a blank sheet of paper. And with both of her hands, this girl with her eyes closed, she was doing this. Hands, fingers crayons all over the place mm-hmm. on this piece of paper and then for you know, very quickly and then uh, she dropped the crayons we looked at it and in a parallel cursive script 
remember two hands moving separately parallel it was i love you wow that's (laughs) 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 oh my goodness and just to be witness to all of this and a part of this yeah yeah it really is a, a privilege yeah i was born on all souls day and uh, I didn't realize how important that was until I really started doing this work. But I deal with a lot of souls. It sounds like it. I, it sounds like, I mean, you're, you're dealing with human souls here and lots of souls in the other realm. Yes. I want to make sure that people know how they can get a hold of you so that they can or, or find out more about your books. You've got so many books talking about this. Will you share that information? Yes, yes. Uh, my my uh, uh, website um, is www.transpersonal, one word, transpersonal.us or transpersonal us. And um, um, then my, you know, one can then hunt down my books, my email, uh, various other locations all on that one particular website. So as we're wrapping up, Stephen, what would be maybe an essential message that you want to make sure that our listeners hear? I I come across some very wise souls. And when I get that opportunity, I'm going to be asking some big questions. Uh, And it's not just, you know, like, you know, what did, uh, you know, Uncle, Uncle Harry learn in his lifetime? You know, it was like, you know, what the heck is going on down here? And um, even if it doesn't seem like it, there are uh, greater Uh, missions, greater lessons for individuals, for communities, and for nations. And sometimes uh, what shows up like bad news on uh, television could be uh, spirit just trying to get our attention. Because sometimes, again, like those errant children, uh, some people don't learn until they really skin their knees. Or maybe they get their teeth knocked out. And then they, they start learning something. I've been over here in Europe many times, uh, and I lived here for probably altogether, you know, coming and going more than 15 years. So I I know Europe very well. And uh, I've always been fascinated with Germany and with the German history and that when it gets right down to it, uh, number one, from a spiritual side of things, there have been many advanced souls who were born from 1940s on into the present day, uh, coming into Europe because there was so much suffering. They were so damaged that they needed to have higher vibrations and some really uh, uh, thoughtful, uh, advanced souls. And the result is the European Union, and common currency, and you can go from country to country and you don't even have to show your passport. Um, Many other social engagement programs. It, of course, has its flaws because we are humans, but it's a wonderful attempt uh, from some advanced souls that have come to a really very difficult time, a very difficult place where people really had to be laid low collectively until they really got the lesson and said, you know, we really have to stop this war thing. We have to learn to get along with each other. We have to unite and um, uh, play along nicely. And that has not yet happened in the United States. 
So your sense is that's part of the reason that we're in the situation that we're in right now. Indeed. Yeah, because we're going to, if we don't get it, then the next worst scenario comes very much like the alcoholic who has to, you know, hit, you know, hit, hit bottom. bottom. Yeah, exactly. And you lose things and you lose the job and you lose the, the wife and the kids and then they wake up yeah. and, and, and nations can do that, too. That's my hope is that we are in the process of waking up, Stephen, that all these yeah. things have been pointers for us or, or slaps in the face, if you will, so that that, that <laughs> we right. can wake up, that we can wake up and we should. Yeah. And that then as we wake up, we can become a part of the healing the world instead of contributing to the fear or the downfall of it. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, the other thing that uh, people uh, sometimes forget is because uh, spirit works with eternity, not only with, you know, like the vastness of God that is like, where is the end of that, but also in time. And uh, soul has got plenty of time and lots of patience. And so if we want to hang out as a, uh, a pissed off ghost for 200 years, that's OK. We've got time, you know, and uh, all is going to be well eventually. So your knowingness is that no matter what this it's like this drama that's playing out in the right. end, it's in all end. good. It's all good. We're going to go back to the one. We're going to go back to the Godhead. We're going to go back to pure spirit and love and light. And um, some people just take a little bit longer to get there. And um, uh, sometimes the lessons are rather harsh. But the sooner that we, we learn and the sooner that we really start to cooperate together and show that common courtesy and universal love, then we're really going to get there much faster. Whether or not you believe in reincarnation, I think that it's really important, as Stephen talked about, this principle of karma and what we put into the world. I think that it's important that we realize that so many billions of people and different religions actually do support this sense of life after life. So whether, again, we believe in it or not, the importance of what we choose to do with our day and how we choose to interact with our fellow human beings and with our planet. So it's putting in positive energy. It's putting in that good feeling towards one another and really putting as much love and goodness into the world as we can. You know, in quantum physics, they talk about something I think we spoke about called the boomerang effect. So it's what you put into the world is what you get back energetically. So at this time in the world, this time where there's so much turmoil and so many different people realizing that we don't have to stand in opposition of one another, that we can come together in our common humanity, especially in this Christmas season that's before us, and realize that we truly are all one body of human here on this world and that we can work towards making this planet a better place, towards loving one another and making this life right here and right now the very best that it can be. Remember, 
The Spark is your show, too. If you have questions, feedback on the show, or if you're going through something and need a little help, we'd love to hear from you. Continue the conversation with us at our website, thesparkpod.com, and on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. New episodes of The Spark air Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Mountain. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. The show is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional and should not be considered medical advice. If you're having a mental or physical health crisis, please seek treatment immediately. The Spark is produced by NOCO Media Limited, which is solely responsible for its content. Thanks again for listening. This has been The Spark, igniting your best life. I'm Stephanie James. This has been a production of NOCO FM.